Welcome to the So Powerful Podcast. This is your host, Jan Cancilla. You know the sound of my sewing machine means it's time for another episode. So let's get started. This special edition of the So Powerful Podcast is brought to you today without commercial interruption. Hello, today we have the privilege of speaking with our dear friend Shirley Utz, and we're going to be talking about Shirley's journey with cancer. I'm sure most people in the So Powerful community are aware that Shirley has that diagnosis, but we'll get into that in a minute. We're going to start out and talk a little bit with Shirley about her connection and her history with So Powerful. So, hello, Shirley Utz, how are you today? Hello, Jan Kinsella. I'm doing pretty good today. Yeah. Well, that's good. I'm so excited that we're going to be able to talk to you. Tell us a little bit, where are you from originally? Well, for the most part, I grew up in the panhandle of Florida. And then I met my husband, Bradley, and he was in the Air Force. So we traveled quite a bit then. And then he got out of the regular Air Force and became a reservist and was able to retire from the Air Force that way. But in the meantime, he was a civilian also, and we got to travel a little bit with that as well. It's just the way jobs were and everything. We landed in Houston because of a job at Hewlett Packard, so. Yeah, and where your house is is very close to the Hewlett Packard campus there in Houston, (laughs) although you know they're moving. (laughs) Yes, yes. And But the stipulation when we bought a house was it has to be close to the office. So mm-hmm. that's why we landed up where we landed up. <laughs> well, on a side note, my son works for Hewlett Packard and he's working from home. So any place would be close to the office under those circumstances. Right, right. It's more, it's more prevalent now to be working from home. Sure, so. sure. Okay, so... Everyone at So Powerful knows your name and that you volunteer and you're very dedicated and passionate about So Powerful. How how did you find it in the first place? I was in a group that posted a a little blurb about So Powerful. I guess the administrator of the group had found it and thought it was a good project. This was on Facebook. And then I was in a group with Kylie Gursakowski, who lives in Australia, and she said, oh, I'm already on it. I'm starting a Facebook group. So I joined the Facebook group and we grew it just by inviting people and talking to people. Just word of mouth, total word of mouth. Little things in different groups about, oh, here's a way you can use up that extra fabric that you just bought. When did you and Kylie start the Facebook group? That was in 2015. Now, So Powerful had been kind of in process, I think, since 2014 when they had a different pattern for the purse. And so it's the summer of 2015. We had the group and I started sewing purses and I had this goal of 25 purses. And then I got an eye infection, which prevented me from doing any sewing whatsoever. And I wound up with 10 purses. (laughs) But I said, "Eh, next year it'll be better. So, you know, the holidays and everything uh, after the unboxing party, it was like, I can't sew until January. So then I had a goal set for 10 purses a month or or 
something to that effect. And you've probably exceeded that goal, haven't you? You make a lot of purses. I do, I do. But my focus isn't so much on quantity as it is on quality. And what I'm giving to this girl in Africa has to be extremely special. It can't be something that I just kind of throw together. I don't operate that way. I think anytime we're involved in a charity group, it should not be about making a bunch of them really quickly and not caring about the quality of them. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Well, and we've all seen the quality of your purses. Your purses are spectacular. They're designer bag quality. And <laughs> I think any girl who gets one of your purses has to just be thrilled that they got a Shirley Utz original. Ah, thank you. I know there are other ladies in the group that are really outstanding. <laughs> well, I mean, you've been an inspiration and you've made us all step up our game. So I guess I thank you and hate you at the same time <laughs> for that. <laughs> No, I I love you. There's no way that I hate you. So you've been making purses, and we're going to talk about your situation here in a minute. But this year, you made some purses, and then you cut out more purses, but you weren't able to finish them. And I guess it's not a secret why, but tell our listeners what happened with those cutout purses. Well, for starters, I made like 19 purses the first quarter of this year. 2020, awful year. And then in May, I started getting a really bad backache and I couldn't sit to sew. It was just horrendous. Visited my doctor and we did some testing and I wound up in the hospital and we figured out it was cancer of the pancreas. It was caught early. So there are high hopes that it's going to be okay. And if not, it's life. I mean, we have to just kind of go with the flow. At the time of your diagnosis, you had a whole lot of purses pre-cut, right? I did. I did. And some beautiful person who prefers to remain anonymous in the Facebook group wanted to sew up the purses that I had cut out, which just blew me away that somebody would do that and also submit them under my name, which is even better. I mean, you know, as far as how altruistic this particular person is. And then another person volunteered to write notes. So it was a win-win for me. I have some that are still partially cut out. I don't have things to go with them, but I am so grateful to my so powerful purse fairies, I call them, (laughs) who jumped in to do this. And I think that's one of the wonderful things about So Powerful. We have women helping women here in the United States, but also in Zambia, where the seamstresses are. We're really uplifting people. And it's gratifying to me that that's happening. Mm Okay, well, you let the cat out of the bag. You were diagnosed with pancreatic cancer. Mm -hmm. Um, Now, when was that? That was over Mother's Day weekend. I spent Mother's Day in the hospital. (laughs) Okay, well, well, back up a little bit, because I know that you had been posting on 
Facebook that you weren't able to produce the normal quantity of purses because your back was bothering you. And I think everybody was giving you hints, get a better chair, sit up straight. I mean, <laughs> you know, but obviously that wasn't it. So what led you to go to the doctor? Well, I wound up with jaundice. So yeah, yeah, very yellow face from this, this red face here. <laughs> well, I had called her, I had done a virtual with her and she thought it was just overexertion or something. And, and then when I started showing jaundice symptoms, I said, okay, I've got to come in and get tested. So she did an x-ray and then she had a CT scan scheduled for me. And then I went into the hospital because I needed an MRI. And that's what detected the tumor to begin with. And they were able to put in a stent in my biliary duct to help everything. And did you get your diagnosis while you were in the hospital? I did. And, I did. And was your husband with you? No, because COVID, nobody uh, was allowed to visit. I'm sorry? You were all alone in a hospital room when you got diagnosis. Oh, surely. That must yeah. have been really hard. Well, being an introvert, <laughs> it's so easy for me to be on my own. I, I mean, I know a lot of people have difficulty with that, but I don't. It, mm. It's just, I had my phone, I played games, I had my Kindle, I read books. Unfortunately, now I'm having so many wicked problems with my eyes. I think it's going to be like cataract surgery or something. I don't know. Mm -hmm, the, the doctor told me that cataracts tend to grow more quickly if you're having the cancer treatment. So, gotcha. okay. So you're in the hospital, you get the diagnosis, and then they send you home because they were just keeping you there to try and figure out what was going on, right? Well, one of the reasons was when they did the stent, mm -hmm. that required being in a, a surgical situation. Oh, gotcha. Gotcha. And it got postponed because my first COVID test didn't come back with any kind of results. Oh. And so I had to have a second one. And it was one of those deep nasal cavity ones. <sighs> Horrible. Yeah, yeah. Well, fortunately, I haven't had to have one of those yet. Okay, so how long were you in the hospital before they sent you home? Um, let me see. I went in on a Friday evening and was released on Tuesday morning on Tuesday. Okay. So I think when you got home, that might've been when you announced it on Facebook, right? You know, I'm not really sure when I did. At that point, they knew there was a tumor there. They tried to do a, what's called a brushing of the tumor to see if it was cancerous or not, but they didn't get any results from that. Mm -hmm. So I had to have another procedure a little bit later to have an actual biopsy done of the tumor. And I think it was after that, which was probably mid to end of June, okay. I announced that I- Okay, okay. Okay, so how did your family react when they heard the diagnosis? Um, my husband was like, okay, you know, we're going through this. I have one sister who lives in Florida still, and she and I talk. Her husband had died of lung cancer, so she was very worried, I guess. For me, myself, I'm just like, okay, 
it's just another hurdle. I mean, mm -hmm. you know, life is full of them. So I'm a very calm person. You certainly are because <laughs> <laughs> that wasn't my reaction when I heard your diagnosis. <laughs> it's really funny because the had to call the doctor to get the results of the biopsy and he said well it is cancerous and i said okay thank you <laughs> <laughs> he probably wrote down in his notes in denial <laughs> <laughs> you started a facebook group to tell your friends and family how you were doing and what your progress was tell us a little bit about that it's just a private group for very close friends and family and I mean, it has 51 members, <laughs> so I guess I have a lot of friends and family, right? Yeah, yeah. It's a joy to have the group because it keeps me interacting with people. And COVID, you know, has put so many barriers to us doing that kind of thing. So I relate to people what's going on on infusion days, how I'm feeling, any weird symptoms I'm having. I've put in a couple of poems I've written. I just, just share and people share back with me, but I always am asking also for questions of the people in the group of how are you doing? What are you grateful for today? What brings sunshine to your life? Little episodic questions here and there. And the responses are really good. I'm very privileged to be in that group, and I've never seen a post from you that was, woe is me. You are always wondering and caring about the rest of us. So again, it's your kind and generous heart we thank you for. Thank you, sweetie. I watched a TED talk about a man who had been diagnosed with cancer, and I thought this was so eloquent how he put this. One of the difficulties was the feeling of isolation, and it wasn't necessarily physical isolation, but he described having his regular life for him was his job, his family, his responsibilities, and his other life, his cancer life, that was doctor's appointments, medications, chemotherapy, radiation, feeling tired, feeling sick, and the way that his friends were reluctant to interact with his cancer life. And he used a term that he needed his friends to be a bridge between his regular life and his cancer life because the doctors were taking care of the medical part but he needed his friends and family to be that bridge. And that was an eye opener for me. And I just wonder how you feel about that. I agree wholeheartedly. And that's one of the reasons I started the group as soon as I started having cancer treatments. It was mm -hmm. because I needed to know that there were people who cared and they didn't have to say a lot, even just a little heart emoji on a, on a post or whatever, or the, the care emoji, okay. anything that would just bring a smile to my heart. Because yeah, it does get kind of depressing sometimes because mm -hmm. there are circumstances that arise and it's like, I can't do this anymore, or I have to go take a nap and it winds up being three hours. My life is way different from what it had been. One of the solaces, too, is that I keep dreaming up new purses. <laughs> oh, well, that's good. Yay. <laughs> and buying new fabric. <laughs> so, so that's an optimistic thing, you know, that I keep buying fabric and I figure, well, if, 
anything happens to me, I know people who it can go to. <laughs> um, <laughs> my list for my husband. <laughs> now, one of the things that you share in this special Facebook group is your cancer marker level. Yes. Could you explain that and tell us where you started out and where you are now? Yes. A cancer marker is a special cancer marker for pancreatic cancer. And it's achieved by taking blood work that is called a carbohydrate antigen 19-9. Okay. And that marker can be really high. I have an app on my phone for people who are going through different forms of cancer. And they've talked about their cancer marker being like 49,000 or something, which is just astronomical to me. Mm-hmm. Mine started out at 958, rose to 1,057, and we are now down to 113. Oh, my. That's a good sign. Yeah. And the normal marker should be between zero and 35. So mm-hmm. I'm really close, and I have two more infusions in this month, one being this coming Monday. And... Then I get to have a new CT scan, go see my surgeon again, see if we've shrunk the tumor enough. And it has shrunk. It's just not where he wanted it to be. So then I get to hopefully have what's known as Whipple surgery. And the Whipple will remove some pieces of my digestive system. But if the tumor can be removed, then I might require some minimal chemotherapy and maybe radiation just to make sure that we've got all the bits out of there. Mm -hmm. But it remains to be seen. If I do get to have the surgery, the good thing is I get to have a four-week break from any kind of infusion. Yeah. One of the things I was wondering about, you've had this diagnosis and all your treatments during COVID. What special precautions does the doctor or the hospital take when you go in? Because the last thing we need is for you to get COVID. Right. The clinic I go to, they check your temperature. They ask you questions and everything when you go in. You have to wear a mask and there's a lot of hand washing and sanitizer and that type of thing. And they sanitize everything in the fusion center in the doctor's office. And they have social distancing and the chairs are moved quite far from each other. And they still have two chairs together because when somebody's coming for a cancer treatment, there's usually someone accompanying them. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Cause I can't drive anymore. I'm just, I feel too iffy on that. Oh, gotcha. Has technology played a role in being able to connect with your family or friends during this time? Oh yeah, I use text messaging and Facebook and Instagram and whatever it takes. (laughs) And what would you like your friends to do to help you stay connected during this time? Oh, just pop in occasionally on my Facebook page or in the group or I've had a couple of people message me who are not part of my close connection, but it's been people who've gone through cancer. So I'm open to those types of connections for my family. uh, We keep in touch by text pretty much, Mm -hmm. and it seems to work for us. Well, you're the regional coordinator 
for Facebook for So Powerful. And I see that you, for the most part, are still doing that job, pretty much answering questions, directing people to files, welcoming new people. I mean, how has that worked out? I try to do that because it keeps me connected to my passion, which is so powerful. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. Um, Louise Ambrose in the UK helps me out on the weeks that I've gone through infusion because it takes me quite a few days to get realigned with real life (laughs) because I, I sleep a lot. I feel kind of balanced when I'm trying to walk and that type of thing. So yeah, she's such a great help and I love her dearly. She also sent me a book. <laughs> I know. I know. I Didn't she just... send you some tea also? Oh yes, my Yorkshire Gold tea. And then another friend in the UK, Allison, sent me a face mask holder and a holder for my hand sanitizer that I can hang off my bag. It's, oh, cool. It was really sweet and had owls on it. I was so excited. <laughs> So international giving, that's fantastic. Shirley, do you have any advice for people who maybe feel like they have some symptoms, but they haven't made time to go to the doctor? Is there something you could tell them to do? Well, there's so many different forms of cancer. I really can't offer a lot of suggestions, except that if you don't feel right, be persistent in getting your health checked out. Mm-hmm. And it may be nothing, but it could be something. You just never know. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. I know you've told us this before, but sort of give us a timeline for the next few weeks. What are you looking forward to in terms of your treatment? Well, as I mentioned earlier, I have two more infusions. The last one will be right before Thanksgiving, so that's going to be a fun one. We're, we're ordering dinner. <laughs> good for you. <laughs> from, Cancer or not, good for you. Yeah, we're ordering dinner from Whole Foods, and if I can eat it, fine. And if I can't, I'll just save it <laughs> for when I can. And then I have a, another CT scan, a visit with the surgeon and with my doctor. And then hopefully December will be free and clear so I can just get back some of my energy and get rid of a little bit of my brain fog because chemo does a number on the memory. And sometimes the word I'm searching for, I can see what I'm looking at, but I can't think of the name of it. And it can be something very, very tiny. (laughs) Well, and and honestly, I have that and I don't have a good excuse, but I have heard of cancer brain and I presume it's all the medications. And they say it can take up to five years to recover from it. Oh, goodness. Okay. So I'm looking forward to that, not. (laughs) Well, you know, we've done this whole interview without taking a break, and I'm going to publish it without a break. It's been so kind of you to share your journey and open up. And I know everyone is praying for you. My church prays for you every week. They always want to know, how is Shirley doing? How is Shirley doing? Oh, so that's I, so sweet. Yeah, so I always need an update by like Saturday afternoon every week, if you would, please. Okay, um, I'll try to keep that in mind. <laughs> but we pray for you in various so powerful meetings, and I pray for you on my own, and I think about you all the time. As you know, I'm getting ready to move, and to our listeners, I'm going to be five minutes away from Shirley's house, so I'm very excited excited to move into her neighborhood. (laughs) Anyway, okay, well, 
Shirley, we're praying for your full and rapid recovery. We pray the next few weeks go smoothly and that the doctor is able to do some great surgery for you here soon and get this part of your life behind you so that you can go back to making so powerful purses for us. Thank you. We're so powerful. We are so powerful. You are so powerful. Thank you for your time today. We will talk soon. Thank you, Jan. Alrighty. Bye-bye. Bye-bye. If what you've heard today inspires you to want to make a difference, I urge you to explore the So Powerful website at www.sopowerful.org. That's S-E-W-P-O-W-E-R-F-U-L dot O-R-G. The website has great information about the organization. It's where you can download the free purse patterns or even make a donation. We hope you will join us again next week when we bring you another So Powerful story. Thanks for listening. Now, go out and have a So Powerful day.